oh, I really hope this commentary is going to work because um, I want to go to Atlantis with the Doctor and Joe, but the DVD player, I tried it before and uh, episode five wouldn't load up. So I'm really hoping uh, this uh, this time it works. Uh, I'm John Bensalia, by the way. Welcome to the uh, Perpetual Outsider po- uh, podcast for the Time Monster episode five. So um, I'm keeping everything crossed that episode five is going to work. Which it is. Oh, I didn't count this in. But anyway, um, five, four, three, two, one, whatever. Here you go. You can hear the title music in the background. So, um, yeah, here we go. So, story so far. Um, Cronus has eaten the Doctor, apparently. Um, The Master's doing some brilliant evil laughter. Uh, Joe's fainted. And uh, let's come back to have a go at the Master. And has vanished in a uh, in a blaze of blur, and I don't mean the band, which would have been even more terrifying than what happens. Quite a short reprise, actually. It's um, obviously uh, obviously this this was not an underrunning episode. I mean, who who could do evil laughter better than Roger Delgado? This is probably the master's, what you could probably call the most kind of panto. I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's probably the most kind of, they. this is the story that gives him the most pantomime lines. But Roger Delgado still manages to be a really credible baddie. At the same time, there's just something something about his performance that just kind of transcends all that kind of hokey panto evil laughter and you know some of the lines were a little bit cliche but Delgado still manages to kind of overcome those limitations and deliver this consistently superb performance um Joe manages to um she's survived all that uh being flung out into the cosmos whatever and uh and she can hear the doctor's subconscious thoughts Maybe she should make a recording of it and um, use them as a bargaining power against the uh, the doctors ever mean to her, like he was in the uh, in the demons. Yes, I can hear what you really thought of the brigadier. I can. I know what you really are saying about Mike Yates. Yeah, she she does bring him back a little bit easily. Actually, she just pulls a lever and bingo, he's there again. Here he is. Da-na. He's back. So we are now finally off to Atlantis for uh, for a longer spell. We briefly visited there in um, episodes two and three with a couple of filmed inserts. This is all on videotape, of course. Actually, the studio, the, uh, the set design is not half bad, actually. It's maybe a little bit overlit, but... Um, Maybe it does look like something that they'd have in a Morgan and Wise sketch, but actually, that's that's not bad considering this was the end of the season when uh, you know, traditionally, that's the point when the money runs out, the budget is uh, down to about enough money to buy a cup of coffee from the canteen. But you know, they've got quite a fair few extras as well. Uh, 
that's you know it's, it's a good mosaic in the background as well i mean i, I can imagine I, I don't know if that was uh comes from stock or whether somebody slavishly spent many many hours designing that if so he or she should have got a little bit more recognition uh oh dear um we're about to get some very hammy hippious ranting uh and of course we've got a whole load of new faces um some of them are incredibly famous um ingrid pitt of course as galea who was you know big news as a you know a screen queen of the uh no she wasn't a screen queen but she appeared in the horror you know the hammer horror movies at the time you know she was uh i think she appeared with uh, john pertwee and i think she was in the uh and also i think she was in other movies like the uh the vampire lovers but she was yeah she was a you know a biggest star and I, I don't really think she gets uh enough screen time here to be honest i think they could have made uh used her a little bit more <laughs> excuse me this is not good <laughs> Uh, <laughs> apologies that there might be a little bit of laughter with um the hippie scenes because he's just such a tool i mean he's he just he just looks like a prat and he sounds like a prat um yeah um it's it's not not one of the show's best moments but anyway yeah back to ingrid pitt um yeah she's um yeah a good, a, you know one of the familiar faces she was originally meant to be for the commentary on the uh, uh, on this DVD, but sadly couldn't make it. But yeah, she—I I, I think she's good in this. I think um, I, I think I underrated her uh, performance a little bit on the original Shadow Lock reviews, which um, mercifully uh, banished to the uh, the uh, the corners of the the cosmos, which is probably where they belong. To be honest, I think when I started those reviews. Um, I don't know why. I just, I just think I, I criticised the performances too much, and I think I was just a little bit overcritical. I think I was trying to be, you know, like a, a pound man, Charlie Brooker, and I think a lot of the time it just fell flat on its face, which was actually a reason why I did the um, um, the redone books. I kind of rejigged it and just was trying to be a little bit more positive because, um, um, and why I'm trying to do these podcasts as well. You know, just try and find a little bit more positivity um which probably won't be the case with hippies because uh, i think that's beyond redemption but overall just try and be a little bit nicer um because i love, I, th I think we could all be a bit nicer really you know and i'm i'm certainly uh you know certainly don't condone that kind of you know sort of sneering bullying take which uh which i've got to confess you know having reread some of those reviews i think they had and uh so apologies if, if anybody did read those and uh were upset by you know things that i said you know it's um what can i say i'm a, I'm a complete numpty so apologies but yeah i, I think uh yeah ingrid ingrid pitt's performance i think is is actually is actually rather good in this and she's got a good rapport with um with roger del gargans as well but I, I i think the star of the show is still george cormack who is who's just brilliant I, I love you know i love his put downs to the master you know he, he clearly thinks that the master isn't all that you know he's you know he's he's not some evil super villain he's just a he's a minor inconvenience you know like like he does here you know he's a 
He's, he's, he's just taking a mickey out of him, isn't he? You know. Should I listen to this man? Uh, other actors you can spot. Michael Walker there, who just got one line. Uh, he was previously in The Claws of Axos as one of the um, the uh, RT operators in the, uh, the first couple of episodes. Now, unfortunately, suffering the indignity of looking a lot more foolish. <clears throat> you know, see, yeah, uh, the master's already fallen for Galea. And I think she's fallen for him as well. Certainly, uh, <laughs> poor old hippie is just left out in the cold. I mean, I, I can't believe I'm meant to believe that Galera and Hippias were in some kind of relationship. I mean, really? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, again, that's probably uh, yeah another big Finnish spin-off. You know, the uh, the romantic dalliance between uh, Hippias and Galea. Uh, yeah, that that could uh, that could be a spin-off. Again, you heard it here, courtesy of John Bensalian. You'll thank me. So the Doctor and Joe have finally made it to Atlantis. Crassus is... Crassus doesn't really do a great deal, does he? I mean, he... I mean, it's all very well him, you know, sort of getting... Um, um, ordering the Doctor's death by a giant um, carving fork, but he, he doesn't really do a great deal. He just kind of you know, sort of... Uh, Follows the master around. It's not really a great deal for the actor Donald Eccles to actually get his teeth into with that with that part. But uh, yeah, so some of the characters characters are a little bit underdeveloped. Galea having a good old snoop at the uh, at master and uh, her husband. And again, how on earth did that how on earth did that relationship ever come about? I mean, he's. He looks like he's old enough to be a great granddad for crying out loud. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. I've, I've, she probably uh, purely just um, married him for the power and the wealth and uh, not unlike a certain shriveled media mogul who I better not mention by name. But I, I, I think uh, Dalios, is, Dalios is a much smarter cookie than uh, that media mogul though. Moving swiftly on, this this is a great scene. Again, it's Dalios just completely mocking the master, just bringing him down, cussing him down to size. And we don't we don't get an awful lot of that in um, the Roger Delgado run. Um, it's um, yeah, yeah, he underestimated him, and it's uh, it's it's quite unusual because you know the master's written as uh, um, you know this kind of all powerful you know villain and rival to the Doctor. But this is where he's cut down to size, and it's kind of like he's bitten off more, he, more than he can chew, actually. Not only in his, uh, his dealings with Dalios, but also in his dealings with um, Kronos, of course. That's actually not a bad uh, backdrop, actually, for the exterior of Atlantis. I know it's in the studio, but it actually looks quite good. Look, Master off in a huff, because Dalios has uh, basically told him where to go. Oh, this is a bit cringy, this bit. 
how about Kersey's foiled again? Isn't that the line? Dudley <laughs> Simpson actually is a wah, 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 wah. their music. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little bit on the nose, I think. But I, I, I like the other kind of harpsichord score that he does for a for Galais. He kind of does more gentle kind of harpsichordy music for that. Jojo Grant. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like that. They, they should, maybe um, Jojo and Grand Grand actually got the, which is a kid's CBB show, maybe got the, uh, maybe got the inspiration for the title from Jojo and Grant Grant. I don't know. Maybe they did. Who knows? God, I haven't seen CBBs in a while, actually. I think my, I think my two daughters have actually outgrown the CBBs phase, which is probably, uh, which is probably um, quite merciful, actually, because it was, uh, not so much Justin Fletcher, which is a blessed relief, actually. Yeah, I mean, the, the contrast between Dalios and the Doctor and Dalios and the Master, but Dalios clearly recognises the Doctor's authority and his wisdom. And uh, and also, you know, he, he's a more powerful Time Lord than, uh, than the Master. And another, another very famous face here, uh, Susan Penhaligon. Penhaligon, excuse me, um, who would go on to be a huge star in the in the seventies and the eighties. Actually, um, she a couple of years after this, she would be uh, Prue Sorensen, the uh, saucy temptress in Bouquet of Barbed Wire in early nineteen seventy six. And she, um, yeah, she also went on to you know other things like Fine Romance and. Uh, you know, lots, lots of uh, um, Dracula actually. The uh, the BBC's version of Dracula again. She starred with Frank Bean in that. She's good in this actually. She's um, it's you know, I mean, it's it's a throwaway part. I mean, Lackey sees there purely just a you know sort of braid Galea's hair and uh, and act as a springboard for for what Galea thinks about you know the master. But she's very good. I think it's um, not an easy part to get right. And um, apparently, she replaced. Another actress, which I think is Anne Michelle, because I think um, from what I read, Anne Michelle was a bit tardy in rehearsals. I think she didn't; she was always late to rehearsals. So, uh, Paul Bernard um, um, gave her the sack and replaced her with uh, Susan Penhaligon. But it's it's a good uh, good performance actually. From what I remember on the commentary, she actually went for the part of Sarah Jane Smith, but. Uh, uh, got turned down in favour of Elizabeth Sladen and uh, and cried a little bit when she uh, learned she didn't get it. I, th I think she would have made quite a good uh, Sarah Jane Smith, actually. But, so, yeah, I mean, of course, Elizabeth Sladen, yeah. Who else could play Sarah Jane Smith but Elizabeth Sladen? But, yeah, I think Susan Ben Halligan would have made a, you know, also a good choice. Joe, Joe Grant. It's just Joe. Uh, oh dear, we, we're coming up to the um, <laughs> the uh, the uh, the the uh, uh, what do you call it? the uh, the girly argument between Galea and Hippias, which uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, the state of it. I mean, it's just. 
are impertinent. <laughs> I love the way she says that line. It just, it just cracks me up. <laughs> you are impertinent. serious thing in that, in that <laughs> but it always makes me laugh it's just so ridiculous it, it just doesn't help with um excuse me hippies facial reactions and uh what he's been given to say it's just so oh it's yeah um apologies for that apologies for the uh the laughter uh I promised myself i wouldn't laugh too much during those commentaries but uh uh, well, you know, we made me laugh anyway, so... Uh, <clears throat> right, uh, moving swiftly on. Uh, the Doctor is still chin-wagging with, uh, with Dalios. And I think we're about to get another example of that um, rather cheesy kind of way that they interlink scenes. Um, somebody says... Uh, somebody says Kronos, and then... Um, somebody also says Kronos, I think. And again with the Minotaur, you know, so, oh, what is this Minotaur? It's just a little bit cheesy, really. Ingrid Pitt is doing remarkably well with, um, with the black cat, you know, because they can be notoriously tricky to work with animals. You know, cats just have a mind of their own. But this, this is actually quite a good little scene. I mean, it's it's a lot better than uh, the previous one with uh, with Galea. That's a nice little musical jingle as well, actually. Um, yes, Joe's hair. Right. Is this a wig or did they... Well, obviously it's a wig, isn't it? But uh, um, in, in the context of the story, is it meant to be a wig or, or, did they, or were they supposed to like braid her hair or something? But yes, it's a very obvious wig. Um, and she says it's groovy get-up. Yeah, yeah, Casey Manning and uh, Susan Pat Halligan have quite, quite a nice little friendship here. It's a shame they, uh, they could have made more of that. Maybe the, Doctor and, maybe the Doctor and Joe should have arrived in Atlantis in the previous episode. I think, you know, maybe they could have... Um, could have maybe allowed the characters to breathe a little bit more. But, you know, there you go. But yeah, back to, um, yes, Ingrid Pitt and Roger Delgado. You've got two very good actors bouncing off each other. Whereas I think Ingrid Pitt was doing all the donkey work in the scene with uh, Hippias. Um, with with uh, Hippias actually just being a little bit more laughable, really. Uh, just uh, something to be laughed at, really. But Roger Delgado has got real presence in this. And, you know, you can, you can sense that there's this kind of you know, this very strange kind of attraction forming between them. Um, it's not that we see the master trying to, um, you kind of sort of woo the ladies, really, you know, it's, um, it's, it's quite an unusual move. And I, I, I actually think it works, it works, uh, it works like a charm in this story, I think. 
And Roger Delgado, again, underplaying it. You know, he's not. Um, he's he's going against some of the more kind of obvious lines. You know, it's like, oh, he should be in strong hands. You know, and he's he's deliberately underplaying it, which which I think is a very good move. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, Ingrid Pitt, I, I think, responds very well. I, th I think it's a shame that you know she wasn't really given so much to do in uh, Warriors of Deep when she came back as uh, Doctor Solow had a famous uh, kung fu against the Merkel. I think maybe, maybe, maybe a part like a crowd simming in case of Androzani. I think probably would have suited her better actually. Yeah, I think that would have been more right up her street. But uh, I, I did read somewhere that she actually quite enjoyed playing Solo because it was more against type. I think it was you know less of a glamorous part and more of a you know kind of uh, you know an, a nice cold villain really. You know who's you know who, who isn't glamorous and uh, isn't there to provide a bit of eye candy. He's, he's just there to you know sort of function as a as a baddie. <clears throat> yeah, we just had yes, but what is the mind at all? You know? Nice bit of lighting, actually. Um, it's you know it's very tempting to kind of overlight these things, but you know this is a good bit of um, good bit of lighting to you know suggest that you know nuts from Atlantis. So it's, uh, yeah, good good lighting here. I think I think some of the uh, the other uh, Atlantean scenes have been a little bit overlit, but uh, but but you know this is a lot better. Big improvement. <clears throat> of course, the problem is you know. A, you know, at this stage of Doctor Who's history, it's uh, you know, it's it's the mix of um, film and you know, videotape in the studio, uh, which is mostly what they do. Sometimes they do outside broadcast, um, which will be in the Tom Baker years, the early Tom Baker years. Um, but mostly, it's a mix between film and studio. And I suppose one day audiences might find you know, the studio looking a little bit, a little bit fake and a little bit plastic and a little bit you know, kind of variety or game show. That sort of thing, but yeah, for an old fart like me, I'm, I'm used to it. You know, I, you know, I, you know, kind of take it for granted, really. That you know, they they swap between the two. I can, I can just, you know, sort of, um, oh, what's the phrase? Suspension of belief or something. Yeah, I, I, I can, you know, kind of just use my imagination and you know think that you know these are characters actually in Atlantis. You know, I, I can, I can just, you know. I can, I can just do that, but I do accept that obviously it's, uh, you know, it's not real. You know, this is not actually real life, but it's it's just entertaining drama. So Hippies is going to be the, um, uh, the proverbial lamb to the slaughter here because he's going off to uh, fight the Minotaur. So some of these and, and uh yeah the end of hippies cannot come soon enough quite frankly uh <laughs> it's, not, it's not often that you know um there are characters that just annoy but yeah hippie is something and he's one note ranting and he's very strange appearance um just make him just laughable really he's he's kind of like the adric of the uh, early 70s doctor who but uh thank god they didn't they uh they actually get rid of him in the early on in the next episode we're actually coming up to the cliffhanger now. And again, it's not very well staged, actually. They've this kind of rather odd zooming into Joe rather than finishing with like a 
close-up of a Minotaur. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I, I think, yeah, Paul Bernard, he's kind of missed a couple of tricks, I think, with the cliffhangers, really. But um, obviously, Barry Letts enjoyed it, uh, in, enjoyed his work, so um, because he'd hire him again for a Frontier in Space, which, again, actually doesn't have the best cliffhangers. They're kind of like more pauses in the action. But um, if, if I ever reach Frontier in Space, I'll talk about it then. But for now, this is me, John Bensalia, uh, bidding adieu. And hope to see, hope to hear from you again very soon as I uh, return to Atlantis for the t final episode of the Time Monster. But for now, it's goodbye. <laughs>